love sushi, I love Japan. My social life has hit the fan. All I have is anime, so I guess there's just one thing to say. Guru Gamesh, my life's a mess. My figure collection is racking up debt. My wife has left, my house is gone. Time to get my butt to Sakura Con. Guru Gamesh. Welcome to the Grugamesh podcast, the only in one place for anime discussion on the internet. Don't question that. I am the host of the most mostly J. Uh, joining me is a renowned good girl expert, Gabriel, and uh, we're chilling after school. Uh, we've got some tea bias, not just because we're K-On enthusiasts, because we're also very British. I'm not. I'm not British. I am absolutely not British in any way. Then give the tea back, you son of a bitch. You give it back to the fucking Chinese. Yeah. It's that one coming, the imperialist bastards. Right. Uh, didn't we steal it, steal it from another Asian country? I'm pretty sure we stole it from, like, multiple different facets of that particular area. Wow, we're 30 seconds into the K-On episode. And we've already fucked it. Speaking of fucking things... As long as it's not Moogie, do your thing. I'm editing all of this. So. I don't, yeah, I didn't think we'd have any of this in. Oh, good. Yeah, no, this is the preamble. <laughs> I'm so fucked. <laughs> okay. So much, much like everyone's favorite representatives of Kyoto, we are, we're chilling out, we're being silly, we've gotten some tasty tea by our side, and we're ready to talk about uh, anime's little women, as I put it. Because they're little and they are women. I don't think that's an unapt way of talking about it. So we are today discussing the wonderful, the beautiful, the incredible, the magnificent K-On, um, a show that has really cemented itself in the modern anime landscape as a slice of life classic, let's say. It's over especially the last decade, its status has just grown more and more and more to the point where for a lot of people, it's some of their earliest memories of anime. It's very it's very famous, it's very well respected, it's very loved, I guess. It has a lot of influence on the medium, and that's what we're here to talk about today. Um, we've got quite a bit to cover. So, Jay, I'm just going to ask you. You're not a moe man, necessarily. Okay, so here's the thing. Like, five or so years ago, I would have found kinship with the people blindly shitting on this. Okay, so close to seven, whatever. So my exposure to anime was largely through the post-Toonami generation. If it had cool science fiction, a bunch of gunfights in, or spiky head dudes just screaming in a cornfield, that was my jam. I believe you've said before that you came to anime more from the standpoint of the Western fan base of, again, late 90s, early 2000s, your Dragon Ball Z, Trigon, Bebop. Yeah, that, 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 every, that is my lifeblood. So when looking at K-On, initially, I dismissed it. Not violently, like some of the individuals we're going to talk about, but it wasn't until about, say, two, two or so years ago, I sat down and watched every single episode in a span of a month. And I was enraptured. I'm gonna get into this point later, but K-On is pure anime spectacle, but not in the way you might think. It's not in your face. It's not hyperactive. It is not a Gainax miniseries. This is a very deliberate capture of teenage girls being very sweet whilst mucking about around in a band that they're not very good with. And to see the legacy of K-On, which is a weird fucking sentence to say aloud, is fascinating. Oh, it is, truly. It's a show that we 
I particularly have watched go from being, as Jay said, very not universally reviled, but pretty much shot on for being moe shit, as the kids used to in, call it. In the Western fan base, Japan. I'm pretty sure you could go to the school Kaon was based on as part of like a trip or yeah, something. Yeah, you can. There's so part of Kaon's school was modeled after an actual primary school, right? Being second, an actual school in Japan that has now had the wing that was the girl that was modeled after the girls that the girls liked music club was modeled after. That's now been turned into a museum for fans, and you can go visit it. They've rebuilt the set in real life. Um, loads of fans have left memorabilia and stuff there, and it's lovely, it's beautiful, but I think that's a really good example of demonstrating the kind of importance and the kind of strength that this show gives to its fan base. See, you don't have tours of, like, the shit house that Tracy Beaker grew up in, do you? Kind of wish, though. That would be fun. It would just be full of, like, sad abuse stories. It wouldn't have any cute girls drinking tea in there. No, totally not, no. But that's why we have anime. So this is kind of a good reason for why we wanted to cover this show is I love it. I love the fuck death. Like rewatching it this time round again has really driven that home to me just how special it is and how much it means to me because I discovered it very really quite early on in my anime journey. Um, when I started watching anime, the first season it aired and I got to watch season two as it was ongoing. And it was a really special, lovely experience. Oh, all the small 144p gifts you must have sent over Livewire. Oh, so I never use Livewire. Oh, there were so many gifts, though. I think, I think you're right, though. A large part of anime culture has sprung out. A large part of anime gift culture sprung out of Kaon. Like, huge parts of it. It's designed like how the shows of old would often have auctions of animation cells. Kaon's version of that is people saving neat little gifts from episodes to hotkeys that they can just spam in Discord or via Twitter or whatever social media is your preference. And so Kaon has had a huge influence on the medium, like huge. No, that is un that's undeniable. Yeah. And getting into sort of the studio that ma made it, Kyoto Animation is such a... This story could not have happened if it was founded earlier in its lifetime. No, we will talk a bit more in detail about Kyoani later on, but I think you're right. Kyoani is very much the... The 21st century anime studio in many ways. It's, a, it's set a template for the rest of the decade going forward. Mm. And, like, Kaon's far from the first show to do the whole cute girls doing cute things. Yeah, yeah so I want to sort of... I, I want to state my case, Your Honor. Okay, go I, for I it. love girls. Yes, we are all aware. Mm. Tomboy girls specifically, or just yeah. in general. I may or may not have typed in Ritsu and then a, a number afterwards. Oh no. They're adults by the end, it's fine. So my point is, I love me some Azamanga Dayo. I love me some yes. Lucky Star. Yes. I love me all sorts of goofy gals hanging out. But usually, it's with more of a intrinsic comedic angle. K-On, whilst funny and sweet, is... Cinema of attraction for anime. And this sounds very pretentious, and that's because it is. So, long story short, there was a film academic called Tom Gunning, who, when studying the, the, the early days of cinema in the 1890s and 1900s, essentially coined the term cinema of attraction, where people would go and see f just films that were just of your town, of your river, of... You know, your, your Uncle Jeff getting in a fight over your Uncle Jerry. Most famous example, I think, is the... I can't remember what the specific famous film is called, but it's the one of the train. Yeah, the train's coming towards you, and then everyone ran away because they yeah. thought it was real. 
that, but with cute anime girls, is Kaon's appeal. Kaon is peak spectacle fiction because you're watching it for everything coming together in terms of the visuals. The cute expressions that Yui makes when she's being very ditzy. The uh, vaudevillian slapstick of Mio and Ritsu. Mugi just sitting there being quite cute. Just just everything in between is Kaon is this big smorgasbord, this big sort of kawaii desu soup of anime influences, specifically from female creators. That if you got a bunch of blokes doing Kaon, it would be a very different oh, it show. It would not be the same show. Kaon is, as you say, it's a spectacle, but the spectacle is just getting to see teenage girls be teenage girls, to not be creepy or sexualized in a really uncomfortable way. Gabe, are you saying anime has a trouble with the sexualization of minors and that Japan has a very fucked history of age and consent and sexual relations? No, I would never indicate that. Japan doesn't have politics. It's the funny anime nation, Gabriel. Stop attributing your Western values. <laughs> <laughs> so, the caveat at this point. K-On! I, so, I, on this rewatch of K-On, I watched a bit of it with my partner, who is fan presenting, and they... Always has to rub it in. Go ahead. <laughs> can't be helped. But they were very vocal and talking. Yeah, well, I sat in the I sat in the dark watching this in my underwear, eating like low fat pudding, crying. Is that what you want me to say, Gabe? Because that's what I did. I, you know, I feel like European and loneliness is almost the selling point of the show at this point. <laughs> Look, if anything, I'm committed to the otaku experience because I'm not enjoying it. <laughs> so my partner pointed out quite heavily that this is one of the. Few animes that they've re they've sat down and properly watched. We use anime as a plural in this household, young man. That that they feel like the women are written to just be women, to mm. just be characters and be people, and, and not put on wigs and sell dolls. Yes, exactly. Now to caveat that there are jokes about jokes jokes about measurements, jokes about sexuality, jokes about oh you know this girl's so cute, blah blah blah. But it comes from sort of a, a an earnest sense of. Female jealousy. It comes from it comes from an earnest sense of kawaii culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that that sort of sense of cool Japan, but through the lens of authenticity, as opposed to all right. Uh, so there's this female character. Um, you spoken to a girl before? Nah, mate. Uh, all the trains are segregated. <laughs> well, I've got this Rayoyan army figure. Yeah, fuck it. Just put that in the script, mate. Yeah, it'll do. But and that's how High School DxD was born. <laughs> Why do we have to mention that show? <laughs> because that's what Kaon would be if it was written by a guy. <laughs> I don't want to think about that. But it's the thing of because of how Kaon writes these characters, it tells a really beautiful coming of age story. Mm. And that's its core strength. Is like, yeah, like Lucky Star and like Azumangu, you've got a lot of gags, you've yes. got a lot of comedy. But it's less centered on like Azumanga is just a it's a good goofy comedy yeah. series. Yeah. Lucky Star is a time capsule of anime culture circa 2007. Yes. Kaon feels very removed from other anime. Yeah, it feels very timeless. Yes, this was we were talking about the late 2000s, 2008, 2009. This was the rise of Japan being super duper insular in its anime tastes. Yeah. If you want more details about this era, listen to our Madoka Magica episode where we cover this in depth. So this is the rise of dairy culture where a girl can be identified via her basic personality and hair color. This is the rise of focusing on the home turf 
because taking risks was less profitable in a economic collapse. This is the rise of shows where you have a large cast of women who all fit into a specific cookie cutter character style and all have very distinctive styles. And this has been happening for years, yeah. but you can definitely tell that anime got to grips with this in the late 2000s going on 2010. Yeah, so absolutely. my point is that Kaon has a sense, it's primary advantage is its sense of earnest, authentic presentation of just being a gal yeah. in Japan. It's all of the comedy, all of the cuteness of the characters just comes out of them being characters. It comes out of them being people. It doesn't come out of a prescriptive notion of what this character must be in order to sell a certain amount of figurines. They're just allowed to be. But it did that anyway, because dear God, despite being an earnest encapsulation of female life, Kaon embraced capitalism like a motherfucker. Oh yes, Kaon was incredibly successful. Uh, so the I'm just imagining all the Kaon girls just fucking lighting fifty dollar bills on fire and just smoking blunts. Trust me, we have all seen that gif of the water cash being waved <laughs> in front of Azus's face. Like we know it happened, but we'll consider that. I know that gif from other websites. Oh dear. So the Kaon <laughs> manga, the anime was adapted from a manga. So I don't know much Kaka about Fly. this. We'll, so, we'll talk about the manga briefly. The manga was serialized from May 2007 to around September 2010, mm. about three years. Um, you've got four volumes and two separate sequel volumes that yeah, cover two separate sets of characters. No, it's really not. And it's a four coma. Now, a four coma is a very... Japanese Garfield, moving on. <laughs> effectively, yeah. It's a style of newspaper comic, effectively, that's told in four panels, and there's usually a set formula for how the gags play out. It's a gag format. It's a comedy format. So Kaon utilizes that format in the manga, and it works. It works. It works. But it's nothing special, and this is where we're going to get into the elevation that happened with Kyoto Animation's yeah. production touch. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's nothing special, but it's, it's not groundbreaking. It's a fun little comic. It's not... But the manga alone, had it never been adapted, would not have set no. Japan on fire. No, we're like, so as a manga, as a manga on its own is absolutely fucking brilliant, and I argue it's better than the anime, but with K-On, the reverse is almost true. The manga is, is decent, it's well written, the art's good, there's some good jokes, but it never quite hits that emotional core, that emotional grip that keeps the anime running uh -huh. so strongly. It, there's some fun aspects to it. The manga continues on after the end of the anime. You get to see where some, where some of the girls go after the end of the story. And, you know, it's, it's cute. But if you're going to, if you want to experience Kaon, I would highly recommend the anime above the manga. And on that note, Kaon first aired in April 2009, right at the end of the 2000s. I'd say that's, that's quite a significant date. It comes towards the end of a decade in which Kyoto Animation, who we've already discussed, have really begun setting themselves up as big players in the industry. So this is where I can come in yeah. and start to sort of illuminate this company's early days. So Kyoto Animation re set the world on fire with its adaptation of Haruhi, but before then, it proved its versatility as a studio. It's done many different projects. And the thing that surprised me the most, and that sort of explains why Kaon was able to have such a pristine project, pristine production rather, is that 
Kyoto Animation is largely responsible for saving the Full Metal Panic franchise. Yep. And despite being a studio that would be known for cute girls, they helmed an action comedy series with little to no CG mecha very, very well. Like, Full Metal Panic, the second raid, I'm sorry, I've just got to let my J out for a second. Yeah, go for it. Is one of the best real robot shows you could watch, especially in an era where Japan was still getting used to digital coloring. This funny comedy studio did some of the best post 9-11 action show you'd, you'd see in the 2000s. And then they went and made the funny tea cake anime. So they've worked on a good bunch of adaptations of key visual novels, mm. stuff like Clannad, which blew up in their fandom at the time it was out. Mm. It's not really talked about much these days, but back in the mid 2000s, Clannad was huge. Um, key, Air, they did Lucky Star, which we previously mentioned. Which made Haruhi an even bigger deal than it already was through self. Yes. And then we get the Haruhi. Haruhi's the big one. Haruhi is one of those lightning bolt moments, especially for the Western fan base. For Haruhi's legacy is weird because it was far more popular in its day than its legacy and the kind of respect that it garners. It burned twice as bright for half as long, and it might be the biggest anime that did that. Yeah. Because from 2006 to 2010, everything was Haruhi. But after that, it dropped off the face of the fucking planet. Exactly. And I think that a lot of elements of these shows, and a lot of the DNA of these shows kind of finds its way into K-On. The beautiful high quality production values, which even season one, pretty solid. By the time season two rolls around a year later, in April 2010, you can really see the bump in money from the success. I mean, I mean the irony is the fact that K-On! Like, in sort of a weird retroactive way influenced how horror he looks in its second season and movie because of just the advancements in lighting yep. and sort of how they drew characters. You can clearly tell there's a very different... There's a difference between Haruhi in 2006 and Haruhi in 2009. So, K-On! is... It's not quite a bolt out of the blue. There is a pedigree behind it. There mm. is a level of talent, a level of skill, and a level of knowledge about who the people making it are. But it's an interesting show in that way because a lot of the people working on it, especially in leading positions in terms of the director, Noko yeah. Yamada, this is her first directorial role on a TV show. This woman's life makes me feel like a failure. Please continue. <laughs> uh, I think that there's a lot of elements to it, aside from this, that really bring it together and help it make it that beautiful show. We'll go into these figures who helped make it what it is in a short bit. But I think that it is worth just taking a moment, a wee moment, to talk about girls, talk about these characters. Because so much of this show, the show entirely runs off of the characters. Like the Me and Light Music Club band are the core of it. So if you're not aware and you've already listened to us ramble about the show for 10 minutes. You're the best kind of human being and I love your crazy yes, ass. Yes, we are. You are. Thank you. K-On! is a show uh, by a group of high school girls who decide they're going to restart their high school's light music band. And they, effectively, they get together, they start the band up, they play some music, they, have, they make some friends, they go on adventures. And they kill God! Eventually, yes. It's a, really fun, it's a really fun, just simple premise that gives a lot of room for the characters to live and grow. Our protagonist is Yui, who... Protagonist is a very loose word when it comes to this show. Because the show is very ensemble. 
is very, every character gets their day in the limelight, even if not during season one, then definitely during season two. Season one is 13 episodes, it's one core, and season two is two cores. Don't forget the OVA episode where they don't do anything. They, they, go, to, they, go, to, they go to a live house, they, they do some jamming, you know, it's a good time. Um, but the first season covers the first two years of their high school experience. The second season covers just the third year. So that's twice the amount of content for half the amount of time. And it really shows because you get a lot more episodes that are just the girls pissing about and just having fun, just, just going off and things. Um, usually Yui is the focus, but we will have lots of episodes that focus on Ritsu, who is the club president, you have focus on Mio, the cute bassist who's shy and, you know, everybody wants to smash, basically. Um, you've got Smoogie, keyboardist, the rich girl, and Azusa, their kohai, who's very adorable. A smattering of other characters who all, if they don't get episodes to themselves, they get a significant amount of development. All of these girls fit into specific stereotypes, and they do. I think it's fair to deny that. Yui's your Genki, your standard Genki girl. Ritsu's your tomboy. Mio's your shy girl. Mugi is your Ojo-sama. And Azusa is the bossy kohai. So I understood two of those words. Uh, <laughs> more people on the internet understand me better than you, don't worry. But Poggery-based champ. Did I do it right? Am I hip and cool? Well done, senpai. All of these girls fit into a very into a specific stereotype, but they're not defined by that. They're not limited by it. So many shows will write these characters in their stereotypes and only in their stereotypes. But the amount of time that we spend with the girls and the fact that the plot is driven entirely by their actions, entirely by their characterization, means that it goes to a lot of fun places and you get to see a lot of sides of these girls that you wouldn't necessarily see in other shows. Like the beach. It was always a beach episode. Speaking of seeing sides. What side are you seeing? Oh no. Oh no. No, no, no. That fun and competitive side, Gabe. Don't be a silly billy. Just because I'm not wearing pants in our recording studio doesn't mean- Okay, I might need to start wearing pants. Anyway- Oh, you think he's joking? He is actually not wearing pants, right? <laughs> it's so warm and we're not used to heat. <laughs> we live in a country where the hottest day of the year is still rainy. Yeah, that's true. So my notes on Kaon is, it's very cute. I mean, it is kind of funny to think where- I mean, for most of the first season, they are not playing music. They're just drinking tea and going to the beat, which is honestly what I'd do. I feel that the, 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 these four icons with their tea drinking and struggle to, to play music can often be compared to, they're essentially, K-On is the story of the Beatles. Yes, if the Beatles were cute Japanese high school girls. Ringo, did you bring the tea? Oh, I'm sorry, Paul, I didn't. Now listen here, you steal my strawberry again, I'm kicking you out of the band. Is that right? <laughs> Yoko has brought some onigiri. Oh, I don't like that Japanese food. Well, that's it, I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. I mean, I contributed to the episode. I mean, there is a shot in the movie where the girls do the Abbey, Crows, Abbey, like, yes. Abbey Road crossing walk, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the movie. Speaking of our very British idiosyncrasies, the movie's set in England. Yeah, it is. And it's very, like, a lot of it is sort of the stereotypical. They go to London. 
but a lot of it is quite authentic to the point in which in the Japanese dub, one of the secretaries was just a random secretary that they recorded, and that's why she sounds quite funny, because it's just this random British lady that is speaking into an expensive microphone with these very polite Japanese people just telling them loosely in broken English what to say. <laughs> Also, the creator of Yu-Gi-Oh! The Abridged Series. Yes. Little Karibo himself voices a very big, bald man in the K-On! movie, which is why I always watch it in the dub. It's just kind of fun. It's one of those like, nice little stories that are just like, yeah, this is good shit. But this is the thing, the people making this very clearly cared about the project in a really personal way. I previously mentioned Naoko, ya Naoko? Naoko Yamada, the director, first directorial series. Um, she later went on to direct some of the smash hits of 2010, stuff that's very popular, mainly A Silent Voice, which was pretty fucking big when it came out. Silent Voice is a beautiful movie, by the way. But she also worked on Tamako Market. Most recently, she's done an adaptation of the Haiki Monogatari. And I think that Noko Yamada's influence on the show of taking this kind of, kind of fun, you know, little manga that doesn't really have much going for it other than a few gags here and there and some cute girls and just adds this absolute gut punch of emotional weight to it. You'll notice going throughout the show that it is, gets very emotional at times. It's just what high school is. I mean, I, we made this point last time. Well, not last time, because by the time this will air, this will be months until that episode was a thing. But we recently did an episode on The Girl Who Left Through Time. And we talked about how important Japanese high school is culturally and how college is significantly less of a touchstone in terms of Japanese people's lives. And these women have spent years together just mucking around, doing the same stuff, and that builds a sisterhood. And so usually a climax of an anime is where like characters kill God with long hair and a big robot, or there's like a very dramatic speech and it's you don't get another season until 12 years yeah. but in this it's just a bunch of girls crying and laughing as they do the dumb skits they did when they were kids and it tears you in two in a way that you didn't know was possible and to a point where i'm still not over it gabe i'll never get over that emotional just that i, I cried okay on i will not lie i'm a 26 year old man and i cried when my cute girls graduated high school I'm not gonna lie. And I really do wanna thank Yoshida Reiko for the writing that she did in this show. She was in charge of series composition and the characters that she wrote and her team wrote are just fucking beautiful. They, mm. She has worked all of those relationships in together so well. Everyone bounces off each other. Everyone plays off of each other. Everyone just works very well as, as believable. Yeah. They're believable. They're realistic characters, and I don't mean realistic in the sense of, oh, this is how actual teenage girls would act. I too run to my work with toast in my mouth. Yes. It still runs off this anime stereotypes, but these characters feel like people. They feel like actual characters. There's a difference between realism and authenticity, and K-On! is a thesis paper on fictional authenticity. Yeah, that's, that's what I was aiming at, thank you. It feels authentic, it feels like it's been created from the heart. It feels like these girls are real girls. It's uh, the success of this doesn't, again, I've mentioned it, it doesn't come from the comedy. It doesn't even come from the cute girls. It becomes. It comes from Japan realizing, oh shit, D women have money as well. I can't believe we've been missing this source of revenue all these years. Make those cute girls play music. He's not wrong, you know. Um, 
But the emotional thrust of it, it comes from the ebbs and flows of daily life. It comes from their natural march of time. That bittersweetness that knowing that the Light Music Club are having the best years of their life in high school, but at some point that is going to end. And it's it's a slice of life show at its very fucking core. It might come from four coma manga, but this is about as pure slice of life yeah. as you can get. And it does it beautifully fucking well. And it also looks beautiful while it's doing it. Yeah, the pilot, like, I didn't get a chance to watch all of K-On. No, oh, I know. I know you didn't. But I at least watched the pilot. And even in that first episode, when Yui gets out of bed, she runs to her breakfast, then runs to school. There are so many different animation quirks where she does sort of multiple slippy steps as she's sort of walking in her stockings on just a tile floor that where she falls on her bum and it doesn't linger. It 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 just it's it's a very sort of naturalistic view. There are multiple facial expressions that are being pulled in just a given time. It's it is an impressive production and it somehow I mean it helps that the characters are very simply designed. Something else that we touched on in the Girl Who Left for Time episode where once Japan kind of got to grips with 3D cut, sorry, not 3D coloring, digital coloring, they started reincorporating very technical designs into a lot of like light novel and manga adaptations, yeah. and that shit does not flow well. No. And Kon having very simple line work and facial animation, although still very distinct. Like I think K- Kyoto Animation enthusiasts will fight tooth and nail to say that Kon's art style is not generic. And honestly, I'm not going to fight them on I that. I would agree with them. I think that in terms of animation, one of Kaon's most greatest strengths is that, unlike a lot of anime, it's very comfortable with movement. Mm. Very comfortable. And considering this medium has been made on the cheap since the 1960s when Osama Tezuka was like, okay, so let's just put a music video at the beginning and end and we can save off like five minutes. Yeah, cool, I'm out of here. Don't form a union, by the way. Yeah, also, um, <laughs> we're just going to draw static cells of characters and just swap out their mouths. Yeah, it's fine. Lip syncing? Ah, fuck that shit, it's gay. Nah. So, <laughs> the person who is very much in charge of Kaon's beautiful and very, not a very distinctive look that's kind of almost defined Koani's animations. Like, I love those those other two animation examples we gave, Lucky Star and Azamango. I love them, but in terms of animation, Kaon beats them yeah, hands yeah. down just due to how comfortable these staff were with the technology at the time. Interesting that you mentioned the character designs and how well they are suited for the animation. Um, Horiguchi Yukiko was both the character designer and chief animation director. That helps! She took the... She took the art style of Kakafly's manga and really transformed it into something that's a lot smoother, a lot softer, rounder. Very thin lines, not not very thick inks. And something that really flows well with the animation style that Kyoto Animation had already Mm. been building up in the preceding years. And it it just works so well. It's so fluid. It's so poppy. It's so bright. It's so cute. And you can really see in season two, the animation bump. Season one already looks pretty damn good. But that then jumps the bar somehow yeah. again. Yeah, that's probably due to the enormous fucking success of the anime and Kyoroani getting shitloads of money and going, oh shit, we can do so much more with this at a better level of production. Um, it's also worth mentioning the movie in this breath because the movie also looks stunning. Imagine just 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 imagine QAnimation's art style, that K on era art style, just in full film budget. Uh, it's glorious. 
and their depiction of London and of all the backgrounds of yeah. sites. It's, it's stunning. I mean, aside from the lack of angry homeless people and the fact that they never had to wait for a train, it's pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, anime always idealizes England in a way that England should never be idealized. I mean, our two biggest representatives are K on the movie and Helsing Ultimate. So honestly, it's either depicted as a terrifying nightmare scape or the best place in the world, and it's somewhere in between. Closer to the former example. I would say far, far closer to the former, (laughs) but we will tap off of that. There's a thing we haven't really talked about yet. And that I think crippling. is crippling addiction to. Oh, no, please continue. Crippling addiction to. Yes, let's not go into that. You have, you have crippling addiction to many things. Why do you think I run an anime podcast? This is true. So, for a music show, we've not really talked about the music. So, I'm going to give us a wee minute to just discuss that. The music production was largely headed up by Hyakoko Hajime, mm-hmm. who is not a woman, it's a man. But. I'm out. Are right, you done? Is that is you done? All right. This isn't feminist anymore. Um, Yaku Hajime does not have a huge number Mm -hmm. of other credits in the anime industry, but... Are they kind of like a J-drama, J-sort-of-TV show person? From what I can gather, yeah. I'm just a general musician as well, I think. But their work on K-On! Imagine Japanese musicians that don't make music for anime. What fucking soulless cunts. (laughs) (laughs) Where do they make all their money from? Exactly. So... Kaon's music. Uh, excuse me, sir. I'd like to. Um, I would like to request a uh, uh, Naruto opening sixteen. I don't care if this is a wedding. <laughs> I don't care. This isn't my wedding. Is all we're gonna play at your wedding? Naruto openings. <laughs> Bold of you to assume. Like, no. Here's the thing. What I'll do is I'll sneak into someone else's wedding wearing a tuxedo, kiss the bride, take pictures, and then Naruto run out whilst the guards chase me. That's the closest I'll get to marriage intimacy. Yeah, I think your sadness is the draw of the show. <laughs> <laughs> we are fighting dreamers. I'm very sad today. Fighting dreamers. All the women I love are gay. Fighting dreamers. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we oh, we oh, we oh, I am quite sad. So, for a show that is <laughs> very... Derailed this so Oh, hard. you fucking have. This is impressive. <laughs> you've, you've, you're the one who has to edit all this, you know. Yeah, but how does it feel being the one that does all the episodes and then someone just comes in and fucks it up? Because this is my it life. Feels, it feels like playing a D&D campaign and just trying someone to fuck with like, the Dungeon someone's Master. Just, someone's just smothered mud all over your baby and then just left your apartment. Uh, it's more likely than you think. Bing bing. Kaon is a show that really does focus primarily on its characters and on their life and on their lifestyle mm-hmm. but they make music and they make a lot of good music yeah like a lot of really good music the opening to Kaon starts with the like the most fucking metal ass opening and then it goes into sort of happy fun sprinkle yes. time a lot of Kaon's- and then the ad's weird because they're all naked for like half a second but then it the lyrics are like, I'm crazy, don't call me cra- like uh, Some you weird shit. You don't think that I am Lizzie, you can't call me something like that. The endings are fantastic. But the music of the show, a lot of it is very cute, light, fluffy, like, happy, you know, blah, blah, blah. After school tea time, all of that kind of stuff. It's that sort of vibe. And it's genuinely, it's all really fucking good. If you like your J-pop, you want to go for it. Like, it's, it's, it's an intrinsic element of the show. Even the background music that aren't the sort of like insert songs are fantastic and i've i've no i noticed you might not have noticed this you did not watch as much as i did but music is a much heavier focus in season one 
because the runtime is so much shorter. They have to sort of at least sort of commit to their premise. It's like, oh fuck, this, this is about music. Shit, we've just shown them fucking about the beach. Write a song. Uh, I guess they like cake and friendship. Fuck it, it's good enough. Get into the booth. Oh, trust me, some of the songs are fantastic. There's a brilliant song that Yui writes in season two about how much she loves rice. Uh, it's called, like, Rice Snow Tubs. I, I, I can't remember. Jelly Donuts, a ballad. Yes, Jelly Donuts. Everybody loves Jelly Donuts. Something that's actually quite funny to sort of, like, talk, sort of do the weirdest sort of accidental tangent. Um, Kaon's dub is quite good. Yeah, it is. It is good. And the only sort of Americanization that is a holdover of the 2000s is that instead of yen, they say dollars. But that's basically it. I, I, that's that's acceptable. And they dropped that in season two anyway. Yeah. So what's I, what's quite interesting, the reason I bring this up is not just because I consume most of my anime in English, just because it's easier and I'm a tired, lazy, fat man. But also, I have a point to this. Okay. Quite often, a lot of people are very critical that dub actresses cannot quite hit the cutesy notes that highly trained Japanese women yes. can. However... Stephanie Shea, veteran voice actor and voice of Yui, is a very notable exception, where she is able to match Yui's seiyuu in terms of pitch and expression, but make the performance her own. She has a lot of experience doing sort of cutesy characters. You'd know her as the voice of Hinata. Oh, okay, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, so like, and like, you know, from Christina V, like there's a lot of, the, the K-On dub is extremely well cast for this role that is often criticized by people who maybe aren't the most knowledgeable about anime. And the thing about a lot of anime is that the seiyuu, the voice actors for the girls, if they are doing character songs, they will also be singing. Yes. A lot of seiyuu double as you know, singers and actresses well, in because general. It's, well, when you first get into the industry, you're not going to make my ends meet on no, money. Absolutely Like, not. you need to sort of do all of that. And the thing we also need to remember in, I mean, I'm bringing this up now because I'd never else have a, an opportunity to do so. There is always going to be somewhat of a quality disparity because say you can make a living off voice acting, a lot of dub actresses cannot because of just unionization is a bit fucked. Yes. And you're not paid that much for dubbing as opposed to prelay animation. Yeah. So quite frankly, it is a miracle that every modern dub is as good as it is considering they're made in like a week and everyone involved is being paid like five times less than they should be. Rant over. That was a very informative rant, thank you. Mm. Well, it's the whole point of this podcast, Gabe, but bloody hope so. <laughs> it's not just all me jokes about, oh, I'm sad and want to fuck things, and also I like robots. Though that is most of it. Yeah, so mainly the robots. I'm sweating, and I'm just in my underwear right now, lying back, talking about a show for girls. Dear God, I am just like one sentence off being a My Little Pony enthusiast, and that is a terrifying sentiment. Hey man, I'm loving my life, I'm loving this. I love my cute anime girls, I'm very happy to talk about so it. So you're, 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 the, you're the glue that's keeping my sanity together. Anything else you want to talk about, about anime production, these cute girls? Because I have a point to make in terms of the Western reception of K-On. Yes, we will discuss that shortly. We've got a few more bits to focus on. We covered the last bits of the music. It's that, yes, there is background music that is... There is background music in the show that is primarily composed by Hyaku Kahajime, and that's very, it's very good. It's your standard sort of anime background music, but it does its job well enough. The real strength of it comes from the insert songs that are songs that, in-universe, the girls have written. Yeah, which always does help when, well, like that, that definitely is a pro watch this in the sub-experience. Yes. And the, I like the endings, the openings and endings for this, because especially the endings are 
filmed and framed in such a way as if it's... They like music videos. Yeah, this is the exactly where I was going to. It's almost as if the girls who have grown up become a band and are now releasing music videos. Goff Ritsu for life. Oh, the first, the first ending and their outfits and that is just... So, the, so I'm just going to point out some of my favourite endings and some of my favourite tracks. Um, I tend to prefer the endings over the openings. Like I, I like Mio's songs more than Yui's. I've noticed. I'll, I'll like if you give me a list, I'll throw them in in the edit, barring copyright. Go for it. So I might have to do the kazoo version. The there's two main singers in the band, Yui and Mio. Mm-hmm. Yui usually does the openings, and they're very happy, cheerful. Yeah, standard sort of cute girls would would do in this blah yeah. by the Blu-ray. Whereas Mio's songs, um, there's usually the endings, and they're a bit more. They're still can still be very upbeat and poppy and cute, but they're melodically a lot more like rock, a lot more he- a lot heavier, a bit more moody. I think I saw once on YouTube, I could be making this up because I'm in a fever dream, that someone had like synced the Kaon ED to Evanescence Bring Me to Life. I would believe that, that would was, work. It's, 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 and that is the most 2010 video you could find on the internet. Yeah, actually. Right next to that old classic Vegeta numb. Ah, so some of my favorite tracks include the season one ending, which yep. is called Don't Say Lazy. Yep. It's a yep, banger. It's great. Very good. Um, the season, the first season two ending called Listen, I think is my favorite. It's a fantastic, just fantastic song. The music video for it is great. The fashion and the character design in that music video is also brilliant. I imagine K-On Artbooks sold like gangbusters. Oh, I bet. I'm not just the artbooks. Wink. Um, I also really like Pure Pure Heart, which isn't an opening or an ending. It's just one of the insert songs. It's very cute. It's very nice. It's just it's sweet. And all of those are Mio tracks. It's not to say I don't like Yui. I just I just prefer Mio's voice, man. Um, there's a few other things, smaller things to cover. One of those is, did you know, Jay? It was a K-On video game. It was a rhythm game. Tell me more. So, Sega put out a rhythm game on the uh, PSP. Good old Sega, they always make good business decisions. Ha <laughs> sometimes. So they put out K-On Hokago Live. On the Sega Dreamcast 2? Yes. It's also called the PS Vita. <laughs> so... Oh, that's good. I like that. Thank you. Hokago Live came out in 2010 on the PSP. Is it like Elite Beat Agents with K-On? No, it's more It's more like Katsune Muku with K-On. Then I'm not interested. Um, we also had a PS3 port, um, graded the HD, but obviously they, both of these were Japan only. Um, the, la- the, the latter years of the PlayStation 3 were bolstered by The Last of Us being re-released a billion times and weird obscure Japanese games I'd find discounted at game. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Um, but yes, there is no translator, there's no official translation, but there is a fun translation in the works, apparently. I did a bit of research for the show. Uh, it's like there for you, Google, you can find Thank out. Thank God PS3 emulation is so easy and accessible. That's getting better, man. I can finally play Dead or Alive Free Booby Edition. I played a fair bit of Hokago Live way back in the day, um, when I first modded my PSP. And I played a little bit of it again, like in preparation for this. And it's a fun, it's a fun little game, you know? Um, it's I do, very- I do miss anime license tie-in games kind of making their yes. way over here. It was nice when it wasn't just, here's Goku, he flies around the world and we reskinned another RPG. Here's 60 bucks, please. Hey man, I like Kakarot, what can I say? So- No, you played Kakarot, you don't like it. That's a very different thing. I'm cutting this anyway, <laughs> moving on. So, Hokago Live lets you play a selection of tracks from the anime. There's a couple of cute things you can do, like you can get little costumes for little chibi versions of the girls and stuff, and they have a little, you get, you get to see them in the 
music room, like having their team meetings. It's all fun. That's very nice. So a completely pointless unrelated that I may cut because I'm just being an idiot. To this day, it is a dream of mine. Yes. The, The... all of the slice of life anime girls that we all know and love will be put into like a Marvel versus Capcom fighting game. I mean, that sounds like the greatest idea man has ever had, and Japan is is too cowardly to ever I do. I mean, it. you do have stuff like there's the Dengeki Bunko fighting game. There was also that weird Azamanga Dio fan fighter that I tried to run on my laptop and it almost killed yeah. me. Oh, like the up. Yeah, there's there's fighting games with that theme to them to some extent like i know that there are slice of life characters in the dengeki bunko games but there's also slice of, slice of life characters and anyway, we're getting really fucking off track as we come towards the close what was your point you were- so essentially Kaon in japan was a smash hit and had no roadblocks whatsoever no it was so successful that there was perfectual governments that were using it in order to encourage people to sign the census like, you don't get much more popular than that. Exactly. Hey, kids, the Kaon girls are telling you to get married and have children. Please, for the love of God, we need it. <laughs> don't you love these little girls? Don't you want these sweet little girls to be with you? Have kids. <laughs> Sincerely, the Japanese government. Yeah, otaku culture is just a psyop by the Japanese government mm. to make people have kids. It's not working. No, it's not. If, the, any, if anything, it's, if any, yeah, I was gonna say that's the that's the, that's the biggest fucking own goal in the history of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool Japan is, uh, it's really not working. Look, you know, Japan, invite me over. I will solve your population crisis. I guarantee. Well, it. personally, yes. Good luck, oh captain, my captain. Yeah. Yes, I'll insert the Metal Gear Solid theme in. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay, so my point is the fact that the Western fan base really had a mixed fucking reaction to these cute girls doing cute shit, and I have a thesis as to why. So American an- so American anime fandom in particular, the reason I say that is because British anime fandom really isn't big enough to warrant its own no, no, speculation no, no. on this. American fandom is its own complete it's own, universe. It's, a, it's its own beast which we're not qualified to talk about. So the year that K-On graced our screens, which was probably a year later in 2009-ish, even with like fan subbing, it would take a while because it was back in the day. I'd say 2009, 2011. It was yeah. fairly concurrent, I Fair, would fairly say. Fairly concurrent. By, by the time season two rolls around, it was pretty much. This represents, once again, listen to our Madoka Magica episode if you want more context about this era. It's bloody fascinating. The way anime was being consumed in America had shifted so drastically in so little time. And a couple of people who may be a little more old guard, who like shows that were successful at this time coming from Japan, were the likes of your code geasses, your fucking uh, Haruhi's, like stuff that was heavily serialized. Like Haruhi's are fun stuff, but it had its own subplot, which was very important. And code geass and Gurren Lagan like set the world on fire with the fact that you'd tune in and some crazy shit would happen every single goddamn episode. And that was very much indicative of what the fan base was clamoring towards. The point I'm making is the fact that 2008 was a sore fucking year for American fandom. This was the year that Toonami died. This was the year that the Western anime boom absolutely shat itself because no one was buying DVDs anymore. The way that anime was being consumed and what was popular and what you could reliably get your hands on was changing. And a lot of these people who grew up in the early 2000s with your Dragon Ball Zs and your Outlaw Stars and your whatevers. I said Dragon Ball Z unironically. Yeah. Moving yeah, on. Yeah, so you're ashamed of yourself. Not really. It should have been that from the beginning. 
I wonder if they said that in the Canadian dub. Anyway, my point is, people were clamoring for a type of anime distribution and a type of anime culture that was on the back burner. K-On! and these new sort of cutesy shows were blowing the fuck up in Japan. And I and I'm not excusing anyone for shitting on it unnecessarily, but I think getting into that sort of mindset, I think we can sort of trace a lot of the hostility Kaon may have had is down to the fact that it wasn't a very story-centered show. And it was a show that was very obviously aimed at girls. Aimed at yeah, and dear God, if I've learned one thing about being on the internet is that if something's for girls, men fucking hate yep. it. Yes, they do. Kaon comes into play in that specific era where official means of accessing anime aren't dead by any means, but with Toonami dying off with video or video games, with DVDs starting to become a less significant yeah. Yeah, chunk of the market. And it's not necessarily about missing physical media. It's about missing stuff that was made for them. Because something else that happened in the mid-2000s is that Japan took notice of American fandom and stuff was being commissioned. Ghost of the Shell Standalone Complex was made for the American audience. The Big O got a second season because Cartoon Network footed the money for it. Like, so, like there was so many... The, the Animatrix happened. Uh, Halo Legends happened. Yeah. Like, you know, all of these things were commissioned to try Lincoln Park had an anime music ah, video it always comes back to fucking Lincoln Park it always comes back to Lincoln Park they have their own Gundam anyway. you're, you're right there's a huge amount of an the anime industry at that time was was being, was gunning was for being America. America. yeah it was being carved out to go to America and that suddenly just stopped happening and it was stuff that was innately Japanese and innately kawaii yep. culture yep. that was taking over. And I think a lot of the shit that K-On! got probably came from people that didn't recognize anime as their medium anymore yes. because they had only been exposed to a very specific catered yes. pipeline yes. of anime culture. This also comes about at a time when things like streaming and torrenting yes. are starting to become more widely and easily accessible to and people on the internet. K-On! took what horror he did with digital distribution and the internet and sprinted all the way to the finish line. K-On! is integral to internet anime culture. We have been, we've talked a lot about... We've mentioned K-On! GIFs on this episode yes. a lot. And, and that's, that's not us joking. No, that's, that's not an exaggeration. It's like, it's. I think it's fairly say, fair to say that meme culture, GIFs, anime, like music videos, just pictures of the cute girls doing the cute things is a very... Is the reason... Is one of the touchstones of K-On! Yes, culture. it's a very significant reason for why that style of show, the cute girls doing the cute things then explodes post-K-On. Like, it really does. You can see it almost immediately. Like, again, this is not the first example of this. There are shows prior to K-On, and even shows concurrent with K-On, that run off the same trope of, oh, this is just some cute girls yeah, doing yeah, some... You hit Amari sketches and whatever. But K-On is the one that's the fire in the pan. It broke the barrier. Yep, that's the one that kicks this all off. And then for the next five, six years, that's all there is, yeah. effectively. Essentially, like, in between your high-profile dramas, because in between your Steins Gates and your Fate Zeros, a lot of it is more slice of life yep. and, and cute girls. I'd say and that. in retrospective, a lot of them were, fo you know, following the coattails of Kaon, but a lot of them from Kyoto Animation, from Hyoka to whatever, a lot of them are of the same pristine quality, and... It was just a different time. I really like Tamako Market, for instance. I think it's really is that fun. That the one with the para who harasses women. Yeah, cool. I thought you'd like him. Um, I don't like him. I just know of him. 
I do, I do not I do not condone that that the activity on the Gurugamash podcast. <laughs> but this last this lasts for quite a good few years. I'd say up until the Isekai boom really well, kicks well, off. I'd, I'd say up until what I call the sort of the the resurgence of anime America of your likes of Sword Art Online and Attack on Titan. Yes. That's when anime drama really sort of made a proper name for itself back. But that's another episode. But for a good few years, K-On! is kind of the gold standard. It led the charge for a new wave and a new type of anime fan to be born. Because as much as we champion this medium for being diverse and having, you know, a leg up on West animation in terms of appeal... A lot of stuff that came over in the 2000s was very aimed at boys. Yes. And what stuff yes. that did come in for girls, your Escaflones, your uh, Fruits Baskets, uh, Oran High School Host Club, was no way incomparable to your Naruto's or Dragon Balls or Cow- or even Cowboy Bebop. In level awesome. of popularity. No. it's And it's important to sort of cultivate that because... Women have largely been responsible for keeping nerd culture alive. They really have. Women brought back Star Trek. Women made Gundam profitable. Women made Serenity. And like, yeah, so much of the industry in the 2000s is aimed specifically at blokes because that's where people think the market is. Not realizing that, hey, half your fucking population has a vagina. You can make a show for them as well. And blokes can like it too. You're saying I don't need to have a white chromosome. To be profitable. I think, again, Kaon's, like, as with so much else, Kaon's success is very tied to its time period. Because yes. not only is it an era where anime becomes more easily accessible for free on the internet, it's also an era... <laughs> Le- legally dubious aside. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, like, I'm not yeah. talking about legality in any way. Everybody used their fucking anime freak.tv oh, or whatever. But this also comes at a point where things like laptops start to become more cheaply available to the average, like, average family. Yeah, like a, a, a child, a teenager, has access to this medium in their room, in their privacy, and they can cultivate that own curated taste in these funny cartoons from Asia. And it's just the perfect, like, all the ingredients are in the pot and it's being lit at the right temperature at exactly the right time. And all of this just creates this beautiful little stew of an incredibly, almost scarily successful anime franchise, actually. Like, I think we don't realize over here, because K-On! has kind of faded into a, you know, a cult. It's a, it's a, it's a cult Yeah, classic. it's a very popular cult subculture, but Back when I used to care about anime YouTube, it was a dark time in my life, I know. It It was championed, and rightfully so. So I think we're coming up on our time here. Is there anything else else you want to say about these cute girls doing good things? Um, Hang on, just let me check my notes quickly. Uh, Um, My outro notes are... Feels so good not to have done research for this. I just showed up in my underwear. Uh, These are my notes for this outro segment. Okay. Um, Okay. Mugi is the best girl. Okay, so I was going to ask you about that. So, <laughs> Moogie commits a very Moogie commits a very heinous war crime, and Does she? I, what? What do you mean a war crime? She violates Mio's territory with a brutal attack on her piece of cake, uh-huh. where she t- she takes something very precious. Yeah. Yes, she takes the strawberry more specifically. And and frankly, I think she should answer for this because, as far as I'm aware, in canon, she has never apologized for this. This heinous, heinous act. Look, we, we did a whole... I'm going to stop myself before I make a joke about the current situation in Eastern Europe. Moving on! <laughs> Look, all I'm saying 
Look, I just want to pat Rizzi on the head. Like it's not. It's it's, I don't it's not. Him, yeah. look, look, it's just just one day when anime becomes real. It's the first thing I'm doing. I would also like to give a little shout out to Tonchan, the pig-nosed sea turtle that the girls get in season two, and they keep him as a pet. And he's very cute and very adorable. But ultimately, all it comes down to is that Kaon is a beautiful, lovely show. It's heartwarming. It's heartfelt. It's fun. It's cute. It's easy to watch. You just get to. Spend high, spend some time with these girls in their high school years, and they have a great time doing it, and you'll have a great time doing it too. It, it's worth the whole time. It's 39 episodes, a movie, and two OVAs. You're not losing a huge amount by going out and watching it. It's all, I'm pretty sure it's on your crunchy rolls and your Funimations. Like, you can find it out there. Shout out to my high dives. Whoa! The, where all the animated no one cares about goes. Yeah. That's why I subscribe to. Well, it's it's Grunkle Greg's account. Yeah, fair. I, I respect that. Then Greg, then Greg start start his own music band recently. Or are we not doing this bit anymore? We'll say we'll save him for we'll save him for the fucking love life episode. <laughs> I'm so tired. And I believe that's close to your app. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. We hope you've enjoyed it. And. We hope you enjoy Kaon if you decide to give it a shot. It's Please one of, do. It's one of my favorites. I absolutely love it, and it's a nice little, it's 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 a nice little taste break from all of our serious adult anime discussion stuff. You know, you got any final closing words, Jay? Well, other than the fact that you should rate and review us on Spotify.com, ApplePodcast.com, AmazonMusic.com, wherever you get your podcast, you can subscribe to the Grugamesh podcast. Leave us a nice five-star review. Tell us, tell, tell us you love us. Uh, get in touch with us on twitter.com at garugameshpod. Uh, send an email to our Gmail at garugameshpodcast. Uh, talk to us. We love doing this show, and uh, it'd be great if we could hear some feedback. So, more importantly, I love sushi. I love Japan. And I love you all for staying a fan. Signing off. Garugamesh. Too late to give you back My receipt is gone And I'm starting to look back at everything that's going wrong Know how I used to long To hold you in my hand Such a shame it took six weeks shipping directly from Japan not gonna lie, you were kawaii, but now your paint job's chipped away. Marielmo away blues, my plastic wife. Your shining gloss once put my family in strife. For what I owe to you, I swear I could die. Body pillows I left hanging dry Oh darling, we're a mess Listening to Garuga Mess